on traditions 7 through 12, so we'd like to invite her up now, and we're excited to hear what you have to say. Hi, Cindy. So uh, I, I, I was a little jealous because Jennifer had visual aids. I don't have a whiteboard, um, but I do have some visual aids that, that we'll get to. Um, I'm an alcoholic and my name's Terry Houlihan. Hi, Terry. This was really weird for me because it's kind of like uh, starting uh, with chapter five in the big book. I feel like I'm starting in the middle. And uh, you know, when I did the first six traditions, it was, it was easier. It was tough this time. Because there's so much, there's so much meat in these traditions, and to try to condense it into, into a half an hour was really difficult. And Kevin and I were talking about that earlier today when he called to remind me that I am his favorite speaker today. Um, and, and, you know, we, we may have to come up with, you know, another way to do those, and, and you know, that, that could be true. But they're so important, and I really, really want to thank everybody that's here in person, and the gals on Zoom, too, and looks like a guy, too. It's, it's hard to see most of you. So um, so what I want to start with is we have a responsibility statement that says when anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there, and for that I am responsible. So what does that have to do with the seventh tradition? Well, that's part of our service work, you know. Um, we, we are responsible to, to keep a, a whole and to keep it operating. And we need to do that for our children and our grandchildren. So what we contribute financially today is going to matter down the road. Um, I'm a member of Central Committee, and uh, we donated uh, $1,000 twice to General Service over the last couple of years because New York was struggling because they weren't getting donations and there weren't literature sales. And 56% of their, of their active income comes from literature sales, which I just learned today. And 44% of their income comes from meetings. And about 43.7% of the meetings are all that donate to general service. So that's a whole lot of meetings that don't. And um, you know, I, I was not really that interested in the traditions um, until I went to Founders Day about 12 years ago, I think. And, uh, and I heard some people speak about them, and I, and I fell in love with them. And, I, and the longer I'm sober, the more value they have to me and how, how important they are because they're what keeps AA whole and healthy. And, uh, and we need to, you know, we are responsible for that. I, I wrote some stuff down. I don't, I don't know how much of it I'll read. Um, if I get my glasses off my head, I'd probably have a better shot. You know, uh, one of the things that my sponsor used to say is flip a nickel. I know, flip a nickel in the basket. You'll feel good about yourself. And uh, and and I didn't understand what that meant. Um, but she said to me. She said one time she was uh, she was just getting sober and she didn't have any money. And she went to a meeting, and all the money that she had left was a dime. And she prayed and she threw it in the basket. And the next day she got a check in the mail that took care of whatever bills she was worried about, because that's how God works. You know, uh, we don't, we can't outgive God, and and tradition seven is all about humility, and it's about faith. And uh, and my friend Harmon said, you know, um, just out of the blue, I decided that I would start doubling my contributions, and he said a year later my income doubled. Now I don't know if those two things are related, but but I know that when I'm giving more, 
I feel good about myself because I everything I have and everything I am is a direct result of Alcoholics Anonymous. So, um, and I'm only telling you this just because we're here. I put five bucks in the basket today. I don't come here every week. You guys still have expenses every week. I had dinner, so in, still overall, it's it's a pretty cheap date night, you know. Um, especially when I'm the entertainment. So, you know. <laughs> So, uh, so you know, and it's and it's about learning how to be a giver, you know. So I so I talk to my new women and I say, you know what, put money in the basket. It doesn't have to be a lot. But those same meetings that only have a little bit of money also need to remember that when they're talking about the other donations. If you only have a little bit of money, still send it out. You know, it still matters. It all matters, and and it's about carrying on for us, you know. And uh, and I have written here that it is a spiritual obligation to participate in Alcoholics Anonymous by financial contributions. And, and, I, and I absolutely believe that that's true. And, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to make up for the new people that can't afford to donate anything. You know, I didn't have any money for a long time. I mean, no money at all. I was going to school and, uh, and just broke. And, um, you know, people took care of me. You know, we need to make sure that our meetings stay whole and healthy. And uh, so now I'm, I'm, I'm going to the, to, to the visual aids now. So if you don't know, like, who you're supposed to give the money to, there's a handy little chart. And, and it's on the AA3A8.org website. And it looks like this. And it tells you roughly where your donations should go, percentages and addresses. Um, you know, I'm a member of Central Committee. They say that Central Committee should get 50% of your donations because they stay local. Uh, Central Committee does a lot. Central Committee sort of took over part of General Services' responsibilities because General Service here, sadly, didn't have a lot of participation. Um, many meetings do not even know what Central Committee is or what we do. Many meetings do not know what General Services are or what they do, and so there is no representation. The thing about Alcoholics Anonymous is we have the upside-down triangle as far as leadership and responsibility goes. So all of us here, we're the bosses. We're the ones who make the decisions. We're the ones that, that give the input to general services so they decide when, we're, when are we going to print a new edition of the big book? When are we going to make changes to certain literature? So it's, so it's really important. And again, that goes along with our financial contributions. You know, this is, this is a spiritual program. And um, I, I feel good when I donate. And um, it's something that I get to do anonymously because that's one of the things that my sponsor told me I needed to do was, was to be generous anonymously because I needed to learn some humility. I know you're probably all surprised by that. Um, but, you know, I, I needed to learn a little humility when I got here. And uh, anonymous donations are a really good way to do it. They've, uh, they've changed the amount um, that you used to be able to give $2,000 individually. They've upped that to 5000 And if you are deceased, none of us are yet, um, the, the maximum donation that anyone is allowed to give lifetime for Alcoholics Anonymous is $10,000. So, you know, we know people that tried to will lots and lots of money to general services and they have to refuse it. And that brings us to the next tradition, which I better get my book because I don't know what it is. I know it's right behind me. Um, and I actually didn't even read the seventh tradition. I probably ought to do that so, so you know where I'm at. Okay. This is the long form of the seventh tradition that I just talked about. 
the AA groups themselves ought to be fully self-supported by the voluntary contributions of their own members. We think that each group should soon achieve this ideal, that any public solicitation of funds using the name of Alcoholics Anonymous is highly dangerous, whether by groups, clubs, hospitals, or other outside agencies, that acceptance of large gifts from any source or contributions carrying any obligation whatever is unwise. Then, too, we view with much concern those AA treasuries which continue beyond prudent reserves to accumulate funds for no stated AA purpose. Experience has often warned us that nothing can so surely destroy our spiritual heritage as feudal disputes over property, money, and authority. And I'm really glad that they gave us a guideline about, about how we should spend our money because I, I don't know about you, but I wasn't really good at budgeting when I got here. So, um, you know, I got here and they tell me what to do with it, and that's, that's really awesome. It's really important. You know, and the other thing is that, um, you know, we do have to refuse donations from, from outside anything. Because we don't want to, you know, we don't, we don't have opinions on anything. We don't have opinions on anything. If you call General Service, which I did call today, by the way, if you call General Service and you ask them a question, they're going to come back with, well, our group experience suggests that, whatever it is, they will not tell you what to do, you know. Um, and, and that was really hard for me, you know, when I, when I first got to this. Well, I, I need clear-cut instructions. Well, you're not going to get it from general services. So, we come to Tradition 8. Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional. We define professionalism as the occupation of counseling alcoholics for fees or higher. But we may employ alcoholics where they are going to perform those services for which we might otherwise have to engage non-alcoholics. Such special services may be well recommended, recompensed, but our usual AA 12-step work is never to be paid for. And Bill Wilson said something really interesting about that. He said, you know, we need to pay the janitor who's sweeping the floor at the general service office, and we need to pay them fairly, and we need to pay the, pay the people that send out 58 million pounds of literature every year. We need to pay those people. Um, because I, I don't know about you guys, but it's been my experience that sometimes if you if you have a bunch of alcoholics assigned to do something voluntarily, they may or may not show up, and and they may or may not follow directions. So there are certain occupations in Alcoholics Anonymous that require payment. One thing Bill Wilson said is that um, there is never to be payment for face-to-face -face work with another drunk, and I thought that was pretty clear. You know that tells me that. You know, if I'm working with a drunk, I, I better be doing it for the right reasons. Um, you know, and I struggled with that a lot because, well, what about the people who work in rehabs who are AA members? Well, you know, they're providing a, a paid service. And when they're done with that, when they get out of work, they perform 12-step work if they choose or they don't. But those are important qualifications for us. Let me go through my little notes here. Da -da 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 -da. Um, see, I have a lot about stuff about step 12, the seventh tradition that I didn't even put up. Um, you know, the general service office, um, when they first started, it was just a little office, and they had a few volunteers. And, um, you know, it was staffed by Bill Wilson and his, and his secretary in the wing, and that was enough to maintain contact with the first hundred members, which... I've listened to Bill's talks and he says that perhaps we were exaggerating those hundred members and it was probably more like 60. 
So um, his salesmanship, you know, sort of uh, went on to into other areas. So now um, they moved again, and they moved again, and so you know they do important things in general service. You know they do the literature. Um, they have loaners meetings. If you don't know what those are, those are people who say maybe they live in Iceland and there are no meetings. And so we write them letters and we communicate that way. Uh, we have public information and we'll get to that a little bit more later. We cooperate with the professional community. You know, we're the ones who are to provide guidance about how they work with us. You know, it's, it's we, you know, corrections, treatment facilities, the conventions, um, archives. You know, you've got you've got a couple of archives, archivists in the room now for our local stuff, and I'll tell you what, that's really important stuff. Uh, I was looking through some stuff for my home group. My home group is the second oldest meeting, and uh, and there's stuff that goes way back for decades. And looking through that and seeing who was at what meeting and who the speaker was, it's it's really interesting. Uh, but I didn't appreciate any of that in early recovery. I appreciate it a lot now. Um, you know, there's a lot of other services that these people do and they should be paid. So they answer roughly 100,000 letters a year at General Service Office, just random letters. That, that's a lot of mail. And there's not a lot of people that work there, but they do it, and they, they do it really well. We're, we're so blessed that we have this, you know, that, that we just had to show up, and all this stuff was already done and laid out for us. We just have to follow the directions. So I'm back to the big book, here I go. Okay. Alright, so now we get to Tradition 9. Each AA group needs the least possible organization. Rotating leadership is the best. The small group may elect its secretary, the large group its rotating committee, and the groups of a large metropolitan area their central or intergroup committee, which often employs a full-time secretary. The trustees of the General Service Board are, in, in effect, our AA General Service Committee. They are the custodians of our AA tradition and the receivers of voluntary AA contributions by which we maintain our AA General Service Office at New York. They are authorized by the groups to handle our overall public relations and they guarantee the integrity of our principal newspaper, the AA Grapevine. All such representatives are to be guided in the spirit of service, for true leaders in AA are but trusted and experienced servants of the whole. They derive no real authority from their titles. They do not govern. Universal respect is the key to their usefulness. You know, um, when I walk in here, I, I can expect to see these guys sitting up here um, because they are trusted servants, and they're responsible, and they show up. Although it was a little weird not seeing Kevin up there for a while. Um, but they believe in rotation of service, and that's what we're supposed to do, you know. If we're, if we're going to keep our egos out of the way, we have to remember that AA is going to survive without us. We're just part of a big, big hole. And um, so this is really important. I, you know, there are meetings where there were people who were secretary and treasurer for as long as I've been in AA, and that's been a pretty long time. And I couldn't understand that. And when I asked them about it, they would say, well, nobody else wants to do it. Well, I don't know if they wanted to, and nobody else wanted to do it or not, but I know that if I were a couple years sober, I'm not going to walk up to somebody who's got 30 years sober and say, hey, can I, can I do your job that you've been doing for 30 years? Um, probably not going to happen. 
So it's really important, I think, that one of the things we've got to do is we've got to teach the people that we sponsor that, that they need to get involved. You know, the best way to stay sober is to get involved and become a productive member of Alcoholics Anonymous. When I got here, you guys gave me a purpose. I didn't have a purpose. You guys gave me a purpose. You know, you let me do things like uh, wash ashtrays because you used to be able to smoke in meetings and you couldn't see in the room. Um, and they let us wash ashtrays. And at the time, I thought it was a punishment. Um, but today, I know that it was a gift because it gave me an opportunity to, to talk to people without having to look them in the eye because I didn't want to do that. And sweeping floors and, and setting up literature tables and making coffee. And those are, those are important jobs. Those jobs are every bit as important as, as any other job in Alcoholics Anonymous because somebody's got to be here to open the door. And so <clears throat> any service work is of great value. But I would suggest that you guys, if you've never been on a committee, we have the conference committee, of course. If you've never been on a committee, get on one, or at least show up at a meeting and see what goes on in your AA. Uh, Central committee meets at the club, first Tuesday of every month at 7.30. Conference committee meets the second Tuesday of every month at the club at 7.30. General service, the, the districts meeting are meeting in different places, and I'm not exactly sure where those are now, but Jim may know where the west side is. Um, you know, show up and see what's going on. That's how we decide what we're going to do. Um, did you know that Central Committee has an answering service? Did you know that we pay for an answering service? We pay for the schedules. We pay for our website. We go to treatment facilities. You know, we do the anniversary dinner. We take care of old-timers day. There's things that Central Committee does, and people didn't even know that we had a Central Committee. And so that part of service work is really important, too. It's behind the scenes. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not big deal gratifying stuff. Nobody's going to come and pat you on the head. But it feels good to know that I have a small part in keeping Alcoholics Anonymous running as smoothly as an unorganized group can run. <laughs> okay, I think I'm not doing too bad. Okay, ten. No AA group or member should ever, in such a way as to implicate AA, express any opinion on outside controversial issues, particularly those of politics, alcohol reform, or sectarian religion. The Alcoholics Anonymous groups oppose no one. Concerning such matters, they can express no views whatever. You know, whatever my personal views are on anything doesn't matter in here at all. Because it doesn't matter. You know, this is about helping another alcoholic stay sober. This is about recovery, and that's all it's about. Um, <clears throat> I had a guy call me. He was really mad. Um, Beverly told him to call me. I, I owe her for that. And he was really mad because he had gone to a meeting and, and they were talking about politics and they were during the meeting and they were talking about all kinds of different things that are not AA related. And he said, you need to go shut them down. And I said, each group is autonomous. There's nothing I can do. He said, well, don't you have a central committee? Can't you people do something? And I said, each group is autonomous. There's nothing I can do. You know, uh, and, and that's not the answer that I necessarily wanted to give because, you know, I, I could go right over there and tell them how to run the meeting. I mean, I'm so good at it. <laughs> However, you know, my higher power opened my mouth and spoke the proper words and said, each group is autonomous. And that means that every group gets to be run however they want to be run. It doesn't matter if I like it. They get to do whatever they want to do. 
Some of them align with AA's traditions and some of them don't. But again, none of my business and I can't do anything about it. And that was a really hard pill for me to swallow because I really, you know, I, I'm telling you guys, you know, I know how to do this deal if you just follow my directions because that's always worked so well in my life. So, uh, so that's an important tradition. You know, they all just flow into one another so perfectly, you know, so wonderfully. And, um, you know, I was listening to Bill Wilson talking about the traditions today, and he said, you know, he said, we got letters from, from all over the country, from all kinds of meetings, with all of the restrictions and rules that their groups had, you know. Well, you know, if you, if you, uh, if you, if you went to jail, you can't be an AA, and if you, you know, if you work in this position, you can't be an AA, or if you, you know, they had so many rules that none of us would be here. And Bill Wilson said, no, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. I just don't think that's going to work. And so we don't have any rules. You know, we have some solid suggestions, and people who want solid recovery generally follow those solid suggestions, but there are no rules. So that's enough of that tradition, 10, I think. Okay, well, that's right. That's not even close to right. I don't even know what time it is. Okay, I do now. <laughs> it's right here. Our relations with the general public should be characterized by personal anonymity. We think AA ought to avoid sensational advertising. Our names and pictures as AA members ought not to be broadcast, filmed, or publicly printed. Our public relations should be guided by the principle of attraction rather than promotion. There is never need to praise ourselves. We feel it better to let our friends recommend us. You know, this tradition is probably one of the most misunderstood of all of them. I don't have anonymity in here. I use my full name. I don't have anonymity in here. That's not what it's for. It's for out there. If I'm being interviewed by the TV for whatever, um, I don't introduce myself as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's where my anonymity lies, in the public. That doesn't mean that one-on-one -on -one I can't talk to somebody and let them know that I'm an alcoholic. But I'll tell you, there are days when I'm such a good example of the big book, and there are other days when I'm really not. And other people don't need to know that and, and identify AA with my bad behavior. So it's really important for that distinction. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, we have the Internet, we have Facebook, and, and people don't understand about Facebook. Um, and, and I've had to unfriend and block a few people who were posting pictures from anniversary dinners and various events and, you know, talking about AA, and I tried to explain to them that everybody can see these. This is not just who you choose, and you're violating other people's anonymity. And they said, yeah, but nobody cares. I don't care. Well, I do. I care about your anonymity at least as much as I care about mine. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know who you've told. So I have to protect your anonymity publicly. And um, a couple years ago at the conference, um, when I had been at Founders Day, they had these things that they put up. And I happened to, at that time, be living with the conference chairperson. And I showed him this and I said, maybe you guys want to get these for the conference. And they did. And this is really important. It says, Anonymity is so fragile you can break it with one finger. And that tells me that I've got to be careful. When I'm on Facebook, when I'm on the Internet, when I'm in any kind of public media, I've got to be careful. Because I could really cause a lot of harm to someone by violating their anonymity. 
and I want AA to stay whole and to stay safe. And that's another way that we can do that. Okay, and then we get to Tradition 12. Uh, we'll stop looking at the clock eventually. And finally, we of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the principle of anonymity has an immense spiritual significance. It reminds us that we are to place principles before personalities, that we are actually to practice a genuine humility. This to the end, that our great blessings may never spoil us, that we shall forever live in thankful contemplation of him who presides over us all. You know, in early recovery, I went around and told everybody that I was a member of AA because I was so proud. And people were like, so what? You know, we're sick of you, go away. Uh, and, and I wasn't a good example. And then, you know, this was explained to me. And all of the traditions for me are about humility. You know, it's about me getting my ego out of the way and doing what's best for the greater good. And I was not good at that. Um, I'm so grateful, again, that we've been given guidelines for how to do that, for how to, how to become humble. And I've heard people say, well, if you say you're humble, you're probably not an, you know, I don't know if I am or not. Um, it doesn't really matter. I know that I follow the traditions to the best of my ability. And when I break my anonymity, it's because there's someone there that I need to reach out to. And I will never hesitate to break my anonymity if it's, if it's for a good reason. I, I broke it with my neighbor a few years ago, and um, I 12-stepped him through Facebook Messenger for about three years. He would message me at 3 o'clock in the morning because, you know, that's drunk standard time is 3 a.m. And, uh, and it would be things like, well, you know, do I have to do the Jesus thing or, you know, do I have to do this or do I have to tell everybody? And, and you know, I 12-stepped him for about three years through Facebook Messenger and sadly he died. He died of alcoholism a few months back. Um, but, you know, we don't know who's going to hear the message. We don't know who needs to hear the message, you know. Um, and, and I'm never, never afraid to break my anonymity with someone like that. And I've heard people say, well, what if they get drunk and they go tell somebody? Well, then they do. You know, I have to trust that God's got me. And, um, and that's it. And I think, I think that's about all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. So now we have time for questions and answers. If there's anybody here in the room that has a question, go ahead and raise your hand and we will bring you the microphone. Or if you're on Zoom, feel free to just speak up when you have the opportunity. So who would like to get us started? I love this part. <laughs> Okay, we've got a question. Hi, I'm Pat. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Pat. Um, Terry, excellent job, by the way. Thank you for that. It, it's funny. I'm newer to AA, and anonymity is a big thing. And, and it's in the name, right? I mean, people... Um, Erie's a small enough town anyway. I used to work for a really, really big company in town before I retired. And uh, I remember one time being told by a manager, we have this new expansion project. Don't you dare say a word to anyone about it. 
and the next morning at Country Fair when I was buying my coffee, the guy said, hey, I heard about the big expansion project you guys <laughs> got going on. So it's just, it's that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But it is important, and I'm glad that you, you put such an emphasis on it from the traditions. Um, just a month or two ago when I walked into my first meeting, uh, I wasn't sure I wanted to walk in, you know. And uh, fortunately, this guy met me at the door. Uh, I like I said, "Hey, are you like here for the meeting?" And he he said, "Yeah." I, I said, "Oh, okay. I gotta go put this thing in my car." And he said, "Well, I'll wait for you, and I'll walk in with you." And it was like, "Wow." He didn't know me from anyone, but it's it's uh, it's intimidating and. Uh, later on, a couple weeks into that meeting, after going day after day, s somebody came, uh, a gal, and she said, um, this is my first time, and uh, but I've been in the parking lot for the last three days, sitting in my car, afraid to come in. And, and then I went home every day, and then finally I kind of, mustered up the courage to walk in the door and so it is it's important you know and, and eventually like you said there's a familiarity that comes and a, and a comfort but not not in the beginning and not at first so just thank you for emphasizing that point thank you thanks Pat oh god I'm in trouble you're in trouble now <laughs> Hi, I'm Jim. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jim. Anonymity, by the way, is sacred to me anyways. If you tell me that you don't care about your anonymity, I don't hang around with you. Um, years ago, and I know I'm dating myself, but meetings were run by Robertson's Rules of Order, just like they were in the union. Um, and... You know, they, they, they read certain things. I never even knew that the group voted on those things. They were just, you went, every meeting was the same. You know, and then some, like, we didn't talk about Central Committee because nobody even knew who they were. Today, um, one thing I would like to see, and the only reason I'm saying this because you're here, but one thing I would like to see is, uh, is uh, general services is lacking. Uh, I would like to see Central Committee um, at least maybe put out a financial statement for the groups to see so they know where their money is going. And I was wondering if that was possible. Yes, it is, and we can do that. Absolutely. I can make that happen. That's wonderful. Because then, you know, they'll say, well, we need to send money. Why? You know, now if you're, you're flush with cash, we ain't going to send you anything. But, um, you know, if we know where it's going, it would be helpful. Same with, I know general service, say every once in a while they'll put out on a grapevine or whatever. We need, you know, like you said, 56% is coming from literature sales, 43%. You know, there are some people that are still putting nothing in the basket or whatever. And expenses have gone way up since. 
the days of ten dollars for a meeting rent is gone you know so just uh it, it'd be nice to see breakdowns and that, that's all i know you're the person to talk to so thanks thank you jim he basically just wanted me to go back to tell to central committee and tell them we'd like to see a breakdown of what meetings are giving donations and i think that's a really good idea they do too they're nodding <laughs> who else would like to ask a question Hi, Ed Alcoholic. Hi, Ed. Thank you. Um, tradition 7, uh, is no coincidence, <laughs> but just last night there was a fellow that I'm um, sponsoring, and he called me, concerned about this, and we talked for quite a while. Um, one of the meetings he was at, not his home group, by the way, which came into the discussion as well, but um, come to find out they had uh, way more than a prudent reserve and um, ended up that uh, the person that was a treasurer took off with a lot of money. And he's seen this happen before. I've seen it happen quite a few times. And I've been to a lot of meetings where there is way more than a prudent reserve. And in addition, I've been to some meetings where there is a separate account that doesn't even get reported at the meetings that is for the summer picnic or a Christmas party and we talk quite a bit about that that type of thing and and and, and I kept going back to the seventh tradition and, and I'm glad you spent a little more time on it um, and, I, and I'm looking for your just some imp, you know some feedback from you but <clears throat> I, you know, we, we got into the discussion, and, and it follows up with what you were asking. Where, where's the money going? You know, I remember not too long ago, somebody said, we're not giving, this group isn't giving any more money to New York because they wasted it all on brand new office furniture or something stupid like that, you know? I says, well, read some stories in the back of the big book about the only way that they've gotten sober was through communication with New York. And, <clears throat> or who's going to print the literature? Who's going to do the pamphlets? Who's going to do all this stuff? And it started to make sense. But, um, <clears throat> you know, this issue, and, and I guess specifically what I'm asking you for some feedback for, you know, for, for, for everyone is, and I mentioned it, that this person said, well, this isn't my home group, what can I do? And like you said, every group is autonomous. There are groups now that, I, that I'm aware of that don't even give a treasurer's report regularly. And when that happens, I go to them, to the treasurer, and I ask specifically, what's going on? because you know and we talk about boy 30 40 50 years ago they asked you to put a buck in and, and now you still ask to put a buck in and and, and i'm not going to get guilt and shamed into any of that hoping that's a whole nother discussion but what do you you know some some i i like different perspectives on how you you know with those types of things what do you tell people you know when they see that Boy, you've got $450 here. It's not doing any drunk, any good, sitting in somebody's bank bag somewhere. And the temptation to take off with it and all this stuff. So when the money gets really piled up um, and, and you're working with, or, or, you know, trying to help new people understand, but, or um, the money piles up and, and you're concerned because you've seen it happen that it, it can just disappear in a blink of an eye, what do you tell these people? Well... Hi, Betty. Um, you know, it used to be 
that the only time that they did a treasurer's report was for the business meeting. They didn't do a treasurer's report for the general meeting. So that the, the group conscience, the home group, knew how much money was there and, and how to distribute it. Um, that's obviously not what happens now. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I was just reading something about that today because Bill Wilson was talking about that and he was, he was talking about, what he was talking specifically about was what about these, these meetings who use their basic seventh tradition money to have a Christmas party or a, or a picnic or whatever? And, you know, his response was basically, look, it's, it's, it's their money. If that's what they want to do, then that's what they can do. I think a lot of what happens now is there are new people in those positions, you know, people that maybe don't have sponsors, who don't have the guidance, who don't know about the traditions, who don't understand what a prudent reserve is and what it means. Um, so in that case, I probably would, you know, go up and maybe talk to the treasurer and say, hey, you know, th this is what AA suggests. You know, maybe you want to talk to your group and, and see what they suggest that you do with this money. And a lot of them don't even know. They don't know they're supposed to send money anywhere else. They just don't know because nobody taught them. And, um, and, and it, sadly, I see that with a lot of meetings. And, uh, and, and those of us in this room, um, I, I know that we're, we're better at that, but, but we're, we're in the minority, I think, at this point um, in, in teaching our sponsees about the value of those things. So I probably, knowing me, I probably would go up and say something because it doesn't do any good to anybody when somebody runs off with the money because they get drunk because it's a lot of money and that's what drunks do. Thanks, Ed. Hi, thank you, Carolyn Alcoholic. Thanks so much for your presentation. Really great and succinct. Um, I'm new to Erie, not new to AA, but my um, question is I've been to some really great meetings and all the ones I've been to uh, have the reading of the minutes, which include the treasurer statement. And I was wondering if that was like a gentle nudge from the central committee or how is it that, that all the meetings um, use that as part of their format? I that's just, I mean, I've been, I've been a member of AA since 1989, and that's just how it's been done since I've been here. So oh. I don't know exactly how that came about. Jim might be able to answer that better than me. Um, but, yeah, that's just, I, I, Central Committee, so far as I know, has nothing to do with that. Um, but, again, you know, the AA was, AA was here in Erie before I was. So <laughs> thank Thanks. you. It seems like a really um, efficient way to run things. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else have a question? Anybody on Zoom? The ladies are quiet. Mm. Any other questions? Kevin's scratching the back of his head. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> Oh, you guys. Jeez. You know he has 11 minutes now, you guys. <laughs> we got to keep it going a little bit longer. Anyway, thanks, Terry, for coming out here and doing that. And I do uh, appreciate your feedback on maybe another way of uh, handling the traditions because we just keep morphing into uh, better things. So... Yeah, I would appreciate your, your feedback on maybe how to break this down a little differently. 
kids that will be guys the next time, so they'll get a chance to learn. Anyway, uh, thank you very much. I'm glad that you spend a lot of time on the seventh tradition just because I think there's more misinformation than there is information. And uh, I think that we're getting better at traditions as time goes on, at least articulating them, maybe not understanding them. And that's one of the reasons why we've kind of put this in here so we can we can learn learn better from the people who have uh, long-term experience in the program. So when you were doing those things, we talked earlier this afternoon. How did you uh, how did you uh, come up with how you were going to break things down? And do you teach the traditions to the the women that you sponsor? And how do you go about that? Well, the first question, uh, I actually, when he called, I was listening to Harmon Villian and Gail LaCroix. I was listening to one of their talks that they gave at Founders Day about the traditions, and they had them all broken down into like five-minute increments, and I'm like, okay, let me see if I can follow this along. Of course, they, well, not Harmon anymore, but they'd been doing that for, you know, decades, and, uh, and so they were much better at it, but, but it kind of gave me a little bit of a format to go by because I was just... I mean, I started looking at this stuff earlier in the week, but I spent the whole day going, how am I going to get these all in? You know, because they're so important. They're so important. And uh, do I teach the women that I sponsor about the traditions? Absolutely, because they're younger than me, and I'm not going to be around forever, and they need to know how to keep the doors open and, and keep us going the way AA was designed to be, singleness of purpose. So, yes, I absolutely do teach them about it. Some of them it takes a little longer, but that's okay. Do you do it individually like you do with the steps? It depends. I have done groups with, you know, four or five of the women that I sponsor. We kind of go through, maybe we go through the 12 and 12, and maybe we just do the traditions. Um, or, or I've taken them to several uh, traditions workshops. I took them to one pre-COVID uh, down, uh, down in Newcastle, and it was a woman who... Uh, works at the general service office in New York and, and she was amazing because you know she deals with that all the time and so she could answer a lot of the questions with well our group experience suggests that uh, and so it was really helpful for me to see that they're not they're not playing around with this they're not giving you their opinion they're not going to do it um, and and that made me feel good because I thought somewhere in there there's there's got to be somebody that's you know giving them an opinion on something and uh Nope, they're really solid about that, and uh, and so so that was really good. You know, sometimes I do it one on one. It depends on their age and sobriety, and it depends on where they're at in their recovery. Some of them really need to be spoon fed the traditions, just like they needed to be spoon fed the big book and the steps. Okay, my Mac will sleep soon unless it's plugged in. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm Jennifer. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jennifer. I really, um, the 11th tradition, I think, is really important, and what you said about it um, cannot be said enough, often enough, or to uh, too many young groups. Um, when you read the long version of the 11th tradition, and this has been an excuse that I've heard about using, you know, uh, Facebook and the internet. Um, 
press, radio, and films, it addresses mm -hmm. that. So it is included yes. in the 11th tradition, yes. the long version. I think we need to be reading the long version of the 11th tradition way more often yeah. um, because it does speak to this new technology, mm -hmm. which is in a printed public forum. Yes. Um, this is a tough one to get across to, um, to, to young members. Um, and it's every day, you know, every day that I Twitter or Facebook or something, um, uh, I see the pictures that you're talking about. I see people celebrating their AA birthday on a public forum. Um, and um, somebody somewhere is, is not learning this right. or, or teaching this. And I think we have to step up. Yeah. about that particularly. I guess I don't really have a question except what do you think about that? Well, I, you know, I think you're right and, and I don't know that I even realized that that was addressed in the long form until today when I was reading the long form and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool because I'm thinking, why don't they just add that in the tradition? And, uh, and it was already there, they didn't need to. Um, and, and, you know, uh, it, it, is, it is our responsibility um, to, to teach these people what that means and that if I'm on Facebook saying I'm so proud of my sobriety and I've been a member of AA for whatever years and A, that person either go back goes back out or eats. B, somebody looks at that and says I can't go to AA like the gentleman in the back I can't go to AA because people will know that I'm there. You know, anonymity is, is really a lifesaver, literally a lifesaver. You know, we have to, especially new people, we have to protect their anonymity. They're too fragile. You know, they just are. Thank you. Oh, Jim's back there waving his hand again. <laughs> Our biggest problem today is uh, rehabs. Um, we need to have liaisons from Central Committee and General Service go to rehabs and tell these people these are our traditions. If you don't follow our traditions, you're not welcome. And, and why we say that is because they come in, and we had a couple of instances last night. Mm -hmm. They come in, the person's up there speaking, the phone is on. And they're recording stuff that they have no business doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, we got to go to these rehabs and explain to them about anonymity. Now, our group had a representative do that on a regular basis because sometimes they'll bring 15 people and there might be eight of us. And they overwhelm the meeting with negativity, with disruption. And the other thing is we have to tell them about punctuality because they come five minutes after the meeting starts. Mm -hmm. Is there somebody from Central Committee that could just call them? Because we call them and they're good for maybe six or eight months. But I think they needed to be reminded. Um, you know, we're not a whoop-de-doo meeting. We, this is life and death for us. Don't shove your problems down our throats and speak to them plainly so they understand. That's what needs to be done. So, and, and it's amazing how they will comply when you do that. So just a suggestion, each group can do that on, a, on their own. Our group did it, 
you know, and now we have to do it again because they're starting again. So just some information, just, you know, to, to help clean up some of the crap that goes on. We, you know, we do have a treatment facilities coordinator, um, and she is a committee of one. Um, and she is two years sober, and I did that job for five years. Um, and quite frankly, we need bodies. We need people to join Central Committee and say, you know what, I want to help with this. You know, I've, I've been to every rehab more than once, you know, and talked to them about those very things. I've called Community House. I cannot tell you how many times I've called Community House and said, hey, look, this is what your girls are doing at the meetings. This is not acceptable. This is not a couples program. We're not letting them make out in the meeting. Um, I have done that. Jennifer and I have done that. Susan and I have done that. Um, we don't have, and, and quite frankly, um, we're, we're tired. And, and I know you understand that because the people doing the service work are old timers. You know, we're the ones who are still stepping up and doing the majority of the service work. I know you have all your guys busy. My girls are busy, you know, um, but not everybody does that. So, yeah, if anyone is interested in coming to Central Committee and getting on any one of the committees, um, please, first Tuesday of the month, 7.30, Alkaline Club, um, just come and check it out. You know, maybe you've got some sponsees that need to get active, you know. Um, I've got friends that say get in the middle. Get in the middle of AA and stay in the middle, and then you won't drink. So, and you don't have to have any, like, big amount of time. You, you can have a month, you can have two months, you can show up. That's all you got to do is show up. We'll find you something to do. Thanks. Thank you, Terry.